This show is pre-recorded and furnished by Frasier Productions. This is The Deciders with Renee Frazier. I'm Renee Frazier, the founder and CEO of Frazier Communications, the largest woman-owned and woman-led advertising and communications firm in Southern California. At Frazier Communications, we utilize communications to make the world a better place. That means changing behaviors to positively impact society and for people to be healthier and lead longer, happier lives. We also work with brands to grow the brands and do better by their customers and their prospects. On the show, The Deciders, we feature leaders and change agents to provide insights and guidance to you in your business and as you develop your career. Today, we're going to be talking about one of the impacts and effects of COVID-19 that's led to a new product, new service for people that I think makes a great deal of sense. As a result of the new normal we're in with the pandemic of COVID-19, Many institutions have to examine themselves and decide how are we going to reinvent ourselves or change the way we prepare and present ourselves to our customers, to our clients. And I think one of the institution sectors that has to do this even more specifically is higher education. We know that the higher education institutions have been impacted greatly. High school students are looking toward college but when they're unable to attend classes, there's a consideration that maybe I should put off the year. Maybe I shouldn't go to college. And we know there's a lot of pressure on universities and colleges to reduce tuition because the on-campus experience will not be there. It will be online learning at least for the first part of the fall and probably until the end of the calendar year. So there may be other ways for people to use that time and students to use that time. There is an innovative online pre-college program that's been developed to help students accelerate their college experience and their career readiness. And our guest today is Megan O'Connor. She is spearheading the development of this program called Boost. She is the entrepreneur and resident at Kaplan Test Prep. We know Kaplan Test, a leading global education service provider. And she's going to talk to us about being entrepreneur in residence and this great new service, Boost. Megan, welcome to The Deciders. Thank you so much for having me. It's an honor to be here. Uh, I'm excited to talk with you because this is a strange time for high school seniors, as we call them, rising seniors. And uh, university students uh, with, uh, you know, no on-campus courses or very modest amount are, are struggling. They really wonder about the value of doing the school year. We know that the gap year has become, uh, you know, an option for students and it's certainly become more attractive. Tell us what you know about gap year and how you came up with this product idea. Well, I will certainly say that this fall is going to be one of the strangest fall semesters for incoming college students that we've ever seen before. When you think about it, the traditional high school student prepares for higher ed by doing well on the SATs or ACTs, applying for college, going through the admissions process, and even coupled sometimes with trying to get good scores on the AP exam. This year, however, the path into higher ed is getting pretty disjointed, meaning that students are realizing that for their, the first time ever, the schools that they got into are going to be going fully remote. And in addition to that, the majority of students are considering, huh, should I even be thinking about going 
to my university if it is going to be a remote experience. The reason because, you know, higher ed is one of the most uh, largest investments a family will make in their lifetime. And so you certainly want to make sure you're getting the best ROI out of it. The gap year market, now that's something that's a little bit different. That's been small um, and it's traditionally been students who are traveling or volunteering in the time between high school and going into college. But this year, this year, this fall 2020 semester, the gap year market means a totally different thing. It essentially means students who are taking a pause before going to college and figuring out what should I be doing with that time. Right. I saw that gap year Google searches has certainly increased, right? Can you tell us about that? People searching for what am I going to do? Exactly. I mean, Internet searches everywhere are showing that both parents and students are trying to figure out, what do I do this fall in a COVID semester? And while searches are high, I think that there's still a lot of confusion by both parents and students on what they should be doing. Well, you know, I think students these days are very concerned about their future. My firm does research with some universities here in Southern California, uh, Fraser Communications. We've done work with UCLA and LMU and USC. And one of the things that's certainly changed, we've been doing it over the last decade, the students are much more focused on their careers. It's not just about the education experience. It's certainly about how am I going to get a job? Do the alumni connect with me? Uh, what's the work possibility? So I know your program really goes right to the heart of that. Get students, get some kind of exposure, right, to what is possible for work. Let's describe for us what the boost year will do for them. So the BOOST program is designed so that way students can get career exposure, meaning they might get an insight to what type of career they want to pursue in the future beyond uh, their education. And we do that because we find that students who have an end in mind end up using their time in college much more uh, beneficially, meaning that they are engaging in a major that's relevant to the future that they want. They're taking intentional classes. I mean, the reason that we started Boost at Kaplan is because we were finding that such a vast majority of students were changing their major and, and even graduating from university having taken classes they didn't need to have taken in order to enter their first job. And so now more than ever, students are thinking about, like, how do I get my first job, not just how do I get into college? And the Boost program is designed to help them figure out the path to doing so. So it helps them identify and explore different career paths that might be right for them. Is that right? Exactly. And not only do they look at what are the skills that you need to be successful in some of these different careers, but they also get to get firsthand exposure to what people in those jobs are saying, looking like, feeling like while they're in those roles. So people can really understand this is what it means to be a insert the career title um, at a top tier company. And we find that students who have that exposure, who know what it actually feels like to work at one of these jobs, have a much better um, future ahead of them because they're thinking intentionally about how do all their educational steps unlock that future job. So tactically, how does this happen? Do they get to do Zoom interviews with people in certain professions at certain levels of management? So the program itself is broken up into different cohorts. So the students are working in a peer-to-peer setting, but it is definitely all on Zoom, as everything will be remote this fall. And in the first unit, they do an assessment. The assessment really helps them understand, you know, these are the skills that I'm good at. These are the skills that I value, or these are skills I'm interested in. Then in unit two, they get to see how those skills are manifested in different careers. And those careers are shown through the lens of people that they interact with at different jobs. So some of that is asynchronous and some of that is done via live lecture. 
And then in unit three, each individual student works with a mentor and builds a go forward plan. And so a go forward plan is basically your roadmap to the next steps of your life. It's inclusive of the career exposure you should get via an internship or volunteering and also helps you understand how should I be using college to get onto this path, meaning help you pick a major, help you pick extracurricular activities, et cetera. It sounds like a good investment. I think it's a good opportunity for young people to really be reflective. I'm curious, in developing this, did you gather data through Kaplan? Were you doing interviews with people? Or did you have data that was already available about what students were looking for in this gap or this period of time? Yeah, we certainly did. I mean, some of the most dark data that we saw going into this is that 75% of employers of entry-level jobs in the U.S were finding that the people that they were hiring weren't prepared for their first job by their college experience. And we were finding that over 40% of students were changing their major while in college and staying longer than they needed to because of confusion around what they did want to do professionally. So we were certainly seeing that already students weren't making the most out of college and employers weren't feeling satisfied with the candidates they were getting on the other side of university. In addition to that, uh, as we started the program and started talking to families, because I will say that, you know, entering into the BOOST program is a family decision, something that students make in collaboration with their parents. But what mm-hmm. we were finding is that they were valuing a work exposure experience with a top company over a degree from a top brand university. So the idea of being work ready, that's really the future of education. And that's what parents are valuing with both their purchase decisions and their time. Let me me play devil's advocate or push back on that a bit. I think you're right. The job is certainly a high priority, and I've seen that in the research that we've done. But there is also this uh, sense that a liberal arts education shapes your mind, gives you uh, gives you an understanding of how to uh, be pers- how to write a persuasive paper, how to write uh, articulate an argument, how to listen well in a meeting, how to um, and then also you know, obviously you know studying history to learn patterns, uh, studying psychology and sociology to see how people behave, even though you may go into uh, sales would be obvious. You know, you go into a sales role for a software company, mm-hmm. but knowing psychology and sociology helps you be a better salesperson. Uh, you know what I'm saying? There are a lot of uh, learnings in college that contribute to being a better employee that aren't specific to a job task. I'm so glad to hear you say that because you're 100% right. You know, being successful in a role means being able to do tangible outputs. You know, maybe if you're an engineer, coding is a good example of that. But being good in a role also means that you have a lot of what we call professional skills or soft skills that aren't necessarily one-to-one with what you're going to be doing day-to-day in a direct contributor sense, but more importantly, what are you going to be doing as it relates to the company as a whole? And so some of those skills are things like ability to negotiate, ability to lead a team or work in a team, decision-making. And so that's actually a big part of the Boost curriculum for the very reason that you're mentioning, because you need to be able to understand how do I do this thing that I'm responsible for, you know, when I'm alone sitting at my desk, while I'm also learning how do I collaborate with a team. So Boost Balance is giving you the exposure you need to know in terms of what do I need to be to be successful in a role, in addition to what are the overarching professional skills I should gain in order to do well in my first career. I think you're also right that, you know, college adds a lot of value to students' lives outside of just, 
you know, typical learning. And I do see the future of education specifically, you know, it's been sparked by COVID going into a lot more online learning, a lot more hybrid approaches, the way that students spend their time in university. And so some of that is going to start to fall away. I think we're going to end up seeing new companies and new communities and even online networks try to fill the gap, the traditional university, um, as it starts to go away slightly, uh, leaves. You're probably right. You know, they have, several of my colleagues have been talking about how um, uh, necessity, right, is the uh, birther of, uh, of innovation, right? There's going to be a lot of new services, and everybody is more, much more adept at using online some more platforms that will be available. You know, my suspicion is, uh, you mentioned it's a family decision. I think you're right. Parents will be pleased because, as you said, the child will then, the young adult will go into college with an intention around learning and maybe a more realistic set of expectations and um, standards for themselves, right? They'll apply themselves in a better way because you do see a lot of young people drifting through college saying, I've got to find something I love to do, and they're in search of it. On the, and uh, the old-fashioned way in which colleges and universities run is not uh, designed uh, to help them with that. Your mentoring process really does do that. You mentioned a go-forward plan. What would that entail that people would be able to act? You said choose a career. What else is involved in a go-forward plan? So when you think about it, there's a lot of jobs out there where it's easy to understand how you get there. So jobs in legal, uh, medicine, many people before us have taken those career paths. So it's easy for an under student, a student to understand, rather, here's the things I need to do in order to unlock that job. You know, I need to take these exams. I have to get these licenses. I have to get this degree. But some of what we like to call at Boost the new economy jobs, you know, ones that require skills that have been developed in the very near future are typically technology and business and sometimes healthcare related. Those mm-hmm. have less information out there for students to understand, how do I become this? So, as a result, Mm -hmm. only if you're very close to people who have those jobs, meaning like maybe your parents or someone in your network, do you understand, hey, here's the steps you have to take to go along that path. What we're doing at Boost is trying to make that experience much more equitable, to have students of all different backgrounds have the information of if you go forward along this path, this is how you unlock, you know, this new economy job. And so a Mm go-forward plan is essentially – the building blocks of any good job. It's the education recommendation of here's what major you should have, or if it's not, you should go into a traditional four-year university, you know, here's the continuing education you should get. In addition to the other things you should be considering, which are here's the skills you need to be good at that job. And if these are the skills you need, how are you going to go about getting them? Mm-hmm. That's good. I think that's uh, important. That, you know, I think about information interviews that uh, I've had and that I recommend to people, mm-hmm. particularly young people, right, in their junior and senior year, when they're thinking about a career path, having a, you know, a one-on-one with an individual in that job, learning what their ladder was to get there, their process, what their day is like. It sounds like you're really going to be uh, blowing up the uh, the information interview and allowing it to go much more depth around different career paths. You're totally right. The informational interview many times unlocks that type of information for a student. And we're just trying to go a layer deeper, which is like, let's bring some data to this. Let's figure out statistically what you're going to need to do, the steps that the people before you have taken in order to get this job. 
And oftentimes, you know, these jobs haven't been along for very long. So this is brand new information that we're bringing to students. And because it is so new, that means it is typically, you know, not necessarily information that's included within core curriculum of major classes. Mm -hmm. What I like also is parents may feel ill-equipped. Right. Parents came from, a, you know, the older era of the industrial age and a little bit of the information age. So they, too, may not know what a coder does or a certain kind of software engineer. So they know that their young person will get specific guidance, which will be really helpful so that uh, it doesn't fall back on the parents and they don't feel like there's, they're, uh, you know, not there. to they're, they're not helping as much. What about managing people? Is that going to be a part of this? Uh, I know they're young, but learning how important it is to know how to manage and, as you said, lead. That'll be included as well? So what is included is the opportunity to work amongst your peers and need to collaborate, need to negotiate, need to come to decisions with your cohort. And many times that's just as important as figuring out how to manage because everyone takes a step in the spotlight in terms of being a leader within Booth some of it independently and some of it with the group. So the ability of managing both your time, your decision-making, et cetera, does come into play within the program. You're right that these people are young. They're early on their career path, but that doesn't mean that it's too soon to figure out how do I collaborate with others? Because I think we all know that there is no job that works individually. Right. Right. Now that's really good. That's really good. And we also know that one of the values of college uh, and that is, of course, much more prevalent now is you're with a cohort group that can carry you the rest of your life. And you mentioned you're going to be doing this in cohort groups. What's the size of the class or the cohort that would move through a, a boost program? We are trying to keep into the groups in small groups, so about 12 to 16 per cohort. And we do have the ability to run many cohorts at the same time, which is great. So we are kicking off September 14th, and there is still room to uh, apply. But that idea of being under the size of 16, there's been lots of research done to show like, that's the most effective in terms of managing um, and helping students all be heard, all be able to collaborate and create those network connections that you just mentioned. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. 12 to 15 is certainly a workable group. And are you working hard to make sure that there's a lot of diversity in the uh, the applicants? Very much so. Um, in addition to us having a scholarship program that helps students who are financially prohibited from being able to enroll, we are really valuing students who just show great curiosity for what their future entails. So there's no prerequisite in terms of what type of high school you came from, what type of SAT score you've gotten, what it is, you know, being successful in this program is do you have a deep interest in understanding your career and yourself, and do you have a great interest in figuring out how higher ed can benefit you? Right, and it's a 12-week program, is that right? Correct, so it starts yeah. September 14th. September 14th, and what is the price? So it's 1995 and there are tuition assistance opportunities available. So when students apply, you have the ability to share if you're interested in those. And we have quite a few different unique scholarships available. And how do people apply? Why don't you give us the uh, website or address they go to? Yeah, if you just go to boostbykaplan.com slash apply, the application is right there. And at boostbykaplan.com, you can get all the information with regards to the syllabus, the program, our different corporate partners, et cetera. 
great. I think that's wonderful for people to have. Now, let, let me ask you how you developed this as an entrepreneur in residence. How did the, the concept get developed and what role did you play inside of Kaplan? So the cool thing about being an EIR is that they give you the ability to work almost in a startup way within a large organization. And EIRs have typically just been something that you see happen at venture capital firms, former founders going on to start their next company as an EIR within the VC firm. But it's becoming more popular that EIRs are showing up within big companies. So to answer your question, I was able to run a little micro startup within Kaplan to launch Boost. That's interesting. So you were able to pick the team, or did they give you the people? I was able to pick the team internally from the great Kaplan ecosystem, which is great because these are people who have launched products for students for many years across many different subjects, but got to bring them together in a different way than they would have previously and run a little startup inside. And did you have to come up with a concept first, you know, pitch the treatment or the idea and then assemble the team or just kind of take us through the tactical steps if you don't mind? Yeah, so it's exactly like you mentioned. You come to senior leadership with a concept and what we like to call an MVP, the you know, minimal viable product that we would want to launch. You get approval right. from senior leadership. And then from there, we do, it's a little bit different than the startup world because they do metered funding. And what metered funding means is that you do check-ins along the way and make sure progress is going as it should be. And then as progress continues, that's when they continue to make um, the investment. I think it's a much better model in some ways than running a startup simply because you are continuously looking for proof points along the way. And in doing so, this large organization has the ability to test many things without having to go all in if something doesn't work. Good point. Yeah, if the investment is not as great as it would be, as you're saying, all in. And I'm sure there are, are benchmarks you've set or KPIs, right, for effectiveness of the program as you, uh, exactly. as you move into implementation, right? Yeah, yeah. Exactly. You know, That's what those check-ins with leadership are about. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And how are you getting the word out? You're obviously doing interviews like this. Publicity, are you doing any digital or social advertising to get the word out? We are. We're focusing on student affinity groups, both, you know, in the traditional online world where they're looking for different forums and um, conversations to be had around the future. Then we're also working quite a bit with parents because more than ever in the COVID world that we're in, parents are looking for advice on what should I be advising my student to do? And so that's really the, the places that we're getting the message out. Oh, that's smart. Yeah, I think this is uh, this will appeal to parents, and obviously they have the purse strings, uh, and they would probably be the ones to uh, nudge their young person, right, uh, into a program like this, particularly if they know the student is ambivalent about school. Uh, and I have to say, too, you're at a time where, you know, having the kids at home might be difficult on the parent <laughs> at some point. You know? Right. <laughs> right. So, There's going to be many parents that are going to have students at home unexpectedly this year. Exactly, yeah, and they want their kid to be occupied and, and they want it to be productive. Well, my last question is asking you, Megan, about how do you get attention from management? You know, when we're in this COVID period where people are rethinking the full context of what their company does, what they do, the role they play, and there's really an opportunity to come in with fresh thinking and new ideas, what advice do you give to people who to get your idea presented properly and accepted by people in an organization? What's your advice in that arena? I think that, you know, whether you're a founder who's launching a product in the startup world or you're doing it within a big company like Kaplan, 
you know, what the the investors are looking for, or the senior management is looking for, is the idea of what I like to call smoke signals. And what that means is that there is a deep need from users to have the service that you would deliver. And it doesn't mean you have to launch this full, beautiful product that's completely baked, meaning it's done from completion. What you just have to show is that there's demand for what the value your product will ultimately deliver is there. And you can test that demand by doing very small things, you know, doing what I like to call paper prototype or somewhat, you know, small iterations of what the ultimate version of the product will look like. So in order to get attention, what I think you need to do is put a little micro product out into the world, and it can be something that you hack together, but show that, hey, this is a service that people want. And if it was a beautiful product and if it was delivered in the best foot forward type of way, we could really see, you know, economies of scale. But, you know, a product market fit in terms of service with users is where you got to start. Well, this is, uh, you know, the kind of advice you get from uh, Idea Lab and um, design thinking, right? You start, exactly. test it, create a product, get people to react, iterate, iterate, iterate. Right? Don't wait till it's perfect before you test it. Interesting. You think management's ready for that. People are ready to see it. Uh, what I think is you probably get a lot of credit for taking the initiative. Yeah, I think they are ready. I think people are wanting to see ways for more experiments to be done and for us to see in a faster period of time whether or not there's going to be good appetite for different types of products. So I think now more than ever, big corporations are looking to start up thinking to test new ideas and products. I like that a lot, startup thinking. Well, let us uh, just ask you one more time, Megan. Give us the name of the program and where they should go. Boost by Kaplan, and you can find it at boostbykaplan.com. Thank you. That's been terrific. This has been Megan O'Connor filling us in on Boost by Kaplan. Thank you very much for being on our show, Megan. And thank you to our listeners for listening to The Deciders with Renee Frazier. I'll remind you at the end that Frazier Communications is a full-service advertising and communications firm that does digital, social, as well as traditional media, experiential, and public relations. We're doing COVID-19 messaging for a number of our clients and for the L.A. County Department of Public Health. For more information, go to FraserCommunications.com to learn more. And our shows are available. This show and past shows are available at the Fraser Communications website. Have a wonderful week ahead, and please stay safe and stay well. This is a message from Dr. Barbara Ferrer of the Los Angeles County Department of Public Health. One of the most powerful tools we have to slow the spread of COVID-19 is physical distancing. When you're out of your house, please stay at least six feet away from all other people and wear a cloth face covering. Learn more at publichealth.lacounty.gov. To learn more about how you can protect yourself from COVID-19, go to publichealth.lacounty.gov. Brought to you by the Los Angeles County Department of Public Health. This show is pre-recorded and furnished by Frasier Productions. 